So I am here with a man himself behind Russell Perks MMA. It's Russell Perks. <laughs> How are we doing? Good. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another, another what should be a quite steady Sunday is turning out to be a busy day, mate. <laughs> so talk us how you came up with the name, Russell Perks. Uh, well, nice, you know what? It? Yeah, funny enough, uh, I uh, I used to, when I first started teaching, I used to run it underneath, uh, I just used to teach Taekwondo many years ago. And it was uh, what's called, ironically, uh, for the town that I live in, was called Kidderminster Taekwondo. Original name yet again. Um and uh, I kind of brandished myself up that we wanted to obviously take our academy to another level. And I wanted to start teaching all the other arts that I've been obviously learning in and uh, been training in. And I kind of wanted to come up with a name. And I came up with many different names, believe you me. And I loved all the names in American schools. You know, we came up with names such as Slaughterhouse. We came up with many different names. And I couldn't never really imagine... Uh, a mother of a five-year-old bringing their child to my academy called the Slaughterhouse Academy. Although as, 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 a, as a fight side of things or as, a, as an individual who just wants to learn martial arts as an adult, it would sound pretty cool. So we kind of just, I bent so many different names around and it ended up coming up with the idea. So do you know what? My name around our area kind of carries within martial arts circles. And I thought, well, what better way of doing it? Just put it as Russell Perks Martial Arts Academy and take it that way and that's it. It's a bit of a tongue twister when you have to put it down as uh, the initials as RPMAA rather than some lot of fight, fight shows put it as Russell Perks Mixed Martial Arts sometimes. But, you know, we'll take it. We don't mind. <laughs> here we are. So we're going to sort of jump around timelines here a bit. So what was the main intention behind starting the gym? Because obviously you specified there it was interesting. You were trying to steer away from the sort of fighter profile almost and keep it more of a family, more, I don't know, wider audience. What was your main sort of preference regards to starting this what you wanted to yeah we um we kind of started out really like i said we were a very traditional school to start with uh loved mma back in the day and i'm talking probably um what am i looking to think about it. probably 30 years ago now so 30 30 i'm showing my age now but yeah about 30 years ago and uh really just interested in martial arts i was as a, as a kid and started off traditional background, loved the MMA side of things, loved the other side of martial arts. And we were originally uh, a family-orientated school um, with just the Taekwondo. And then when we opened up our first academy, which is about eight years ago now, um, we I brought in the MMA side of things and I brought the style of martial arts in. And the MMA really blew up for us, to be honest, because there was nothing else in Kidderminster at the time teaching MMA. And it's kind of just... I got so excited with it and it took off such a, a rapid pace and it was so great and it was so exciting to get guys into, into, into fights and their first fights and their amateur stuff and it really took well. Um, but I kind of, as a school owner, it's really, really difficult, you know, and I'm sure there are many, many, you know, MMA school owners out there that wanted to turn their teachings of MMA um, into a full-time job, you know, and, and that's what my real main goal and intention was. So I had to try and get a good balance between competing and obviously teaching at the same time for all of my students and that's you know i've got a we had it well i say we did uh we did have a student base of just you know about 550 active students in one school you know in kidderminster and um it's you know due to the current climate situation now things and things have changed slightly for us but you know it's um yeah we, we really try, really try hard to get a good balance and it, it is very difficult you know so yeah creating the family environment back again now and putting a bit of focus on that as well as trying to keep an attention on the fighters as well it's uh it's worked well for me and i've turned 
full time now. Six years ago, I turned full time teaching, so it's which is good. Well, congratulations! And we sort of touched on before is about the sort of current climate of things, and amongst everything else, obviously you've got quite a variety of different disciplines you teach, so a wide audience of different people. How's it affected your sort of membership at the minute, regards of the news of all the sort of gyms closing? Heartbreaking, to be honest. <laughs> mm. I work, I work. 24-7, thinking on it all 24-7. And I'll be honest with you, you know, seeing members cancel, seeing members freeze is, is absolutely heartbreaking. It really is. Um, you know, we've had uh, today to the day's day, it's 114 members um, either freeze their membership or cancel their memberships. And some of those are cancelling due out of um, fear and shock and, you know, the scaremongering and stuff, which I totally understand and mm. I totally get. Some are cancelling because of financial struggles, which I totally get that. You know, me being a self-employed individual, you know, that, that I, I, I share their same pain. And it That's really has changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's really, really changed the concept of this, this, this whole world, not just in martial arts alone, you know. And I think we, we've, we've gone to, as I know, martial, many martial arts schools have, we've gone virtually now. So we're actually doing um, just under 50 classes a week virtually um and we do have at times three instructors teaching at once a different variety of classes and that could be one instructor teaching at the academy at the moment and then with the rest of us are teaching from our homes either from our garden from our front rooms <laughs> from our living room you know it's a bit nuts mate to be honest but you know as bruce lee used to say you know you have to adapt with what's given you know and, and that's what we've had to accept here and we are it's took me Probably a good six weeks, definitely, definitely. Well, four to six weeks it's took me to accept that I'm losing members and I'm going to lose members. And what we've got to do is trying to secure and hold on to those ones that we do have and nurture those through, which we're doing a good job so far. You know, we are doing a lot more than I think we're doing a lot more than we did at the academy before. You know, we're doing, we're doing, I do a three times a week breakfast show um, for my students. Um, I do. We're doing quizzes, uh, Saturday night quizzes. We're doing. Uh, also playing a lot of music. So uh, one of my fellow guys who, who actually teaches music outside my inside my academy as well. He does a, a lot of gig for us now and then as well on the, uh, for my students. So we've got loads going on, mate. Loads. It's exhausting, but it's good. I mean, there's so much to touch on there. I mean, when it is your project, your baby. This is your everything. To see the current climate affect it the way it has, from a business perspective, you could put your business hat on and sort of identify the sort of peaks and troughs and this kind of stuff and how to adapt. But that emotional investment, like putting into it and seeing it decline, not even from your own doing, it's not a case of this is a personal thing on the way you've been doing things, this is out of your control. And then to see this, I mean, I could only imagine like the sort of personal effect. Because if you, like my gym, I'm still paying my membership or whatever, but if I was to cancel that, that is just, for me, I've not got the same, what do you call it? It's not my project. It's not my baby as such. Whereas from your point of view, being the actual gym owner, this is, it's not just the gym. It's what your interpretation of everything you want. This is your, well, I would say finish a project, but you know, as you're always developing, it's always a work in progress. But for example, finish project, because it's, you know, up and running. So yeah, try yeah. and... Um, how do you find switching between the two in the sense of it being your business versus your, your baby as such? Really heartbreaking. Firstly, I would say, number one, congratulations to you for supporting your gym. Yeah, you know, you. I will say that, you know, because, 
you know, I know many people out there that, that have the intentions to do that and some that don't, you know. But one thing I would really, really say um, to every martial arts school owner out there, to be honest, you know, that they must be appreciating every student that's supporting them through this and carrying on their membership, whether they're a furloughed member, staff member, or whether they're getting paid for whatever their, their financial situation. For those people who are supporting their gyms, good on you and well done to you because, you know, a big, big thing in this, you know, the balance between, you know, the balance between being my baby and being a business is, is they're both kind of equals for me, you know, in that sense, you know, I've got so much passion for the place and so much drive and, you know, I always develop this and we, we have, we have so many people and your gym's probably just the same, you know, and, and everybody else's is the same is that they always say, I'm going to cancel, but I'll be back. And you've got to understand if hundred people do that and you've only got 150 members, they might not have a place to come back to. Exactly. And the people that are going to be gutted the most are going to be those individuals, you know, and you've got to look at a, a, a gym or a martial arts school, whatever that's going to be, is, you know, it's, I'm sure you will, you will agree with this. If you have a bad day at work and you may not feel like going to the gym or going just doing train and punch somebody in the face or go hit some pads, how good do you feel after you've been there? It's a different world, isn't it? You totally, you know, and it becomes a therapy. It becomes a way to balance people's mental health. It's an escapism, it's an activity, it's a hobby, it's a profession for some people, you know. And for me, seeing my business, I started using this phrase to start with, you know, seeing my business crumble, you know, once the, we got told to shut on the 20th of March was, was absolutely just devastating. I was probably the most rock bottom I've ever been other than when I lost my mom and my dad. You know, that's how hard it was for me. And, you know, but then also as well, seeing my baby there, you know, I still want to, clutch my fingers into it, hold on to it and still think, right, I'm not letting this thing go, you know, and, and that's what I've embraced very well with from my instructors, from my members, from parents as well from that, that have just said, look, you know, this is too powerful to let go. We've got to hold on to this. And there's no doubt every martial arts school up and down the country that have got great members, that have got good support, such as yours, but your place as well, you know, it's BST, you've got what you need everyone's holding on to it and everyone's supporting it. So it's a real tough game out at the moment, you know, especially this evening. We're expecting, obviously, announcements this evening, aren't we? So it's so for good news this evening, but yeah, you know, see what happens there. <laughs> squeaky bum time, isn't it? I mean, this is where yeah, it so gets... Is, mate. <laughs> I mean, this is where it gets so... From an outside perspective, people don't appreciate... If you're not in the martial arts sort of world, they don't appreciate what the gym means to someone. Because... It's the difference between a trainer and a coach. It's that kind of emotional investment. Like if you've had a fight camp with with somewhere, it's not just you're going to the gym and sitting on the treadmill for half an hour. It's you're in there, literally blood, sweat, and tears. You're putting everything into this. You're getting all these emotions through your training partners. It's not just the fitness of it. It's not just the mentality. It's everything. And to see that sort of, it's not something you can manufacture. Something that's got to be genuine. So that's where this emotional connection comes from. And to see it sort of. I think crumble is sort of it's harder to come back from in a sort of term. I want to use more of a decline that's going to pick back up again. That kind of structural thing, because yeah. it's, 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 when you have that kind of relationship, as much as it's hard to distinguish between people who are cancelling for you know practical reasons versus whatever intentions they have, you've always got to give it the benefit of the doubt that it's all just for you know what they have to do. But the ones who can support. And the ones who do support in other ways, you should you should be able to give every member of you know give you that sort of confidence in yourself that was it build it and they shall come that kind of thing. They've got this 
support network you've got these people constantly trying to motivate each other to get this morale and like if it was just you yeah. and your own saying well, why is no one here then that's a different <laughs> conversation but if you've got all these people saying we wish it was there that should give you a bit more of a you know reminder that what you had at that time is you know a really sub substantial to say it's got a lot of substance to it that sort of product and on top of that it's then got that format to then build back on again so I say, I say it like yeah, it's I gone. Think... It's still there. It's just shut. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? no, I mean, what, what, what? I mean, it's a great saying. You know, we are still open. We are still running, and the four walls in our studios uh, in the, the academy is just a building. What we've done is taken everything from there, and we've just put it all online now, and that's how that's going to work. You know, and and what we're trying to do, which is like what I believe, not just in martial arts, but in business, need to do as well, is to add value. You give value. Your members will see the value and people are buying into it more, you know, um, such as your gym. You know, I follow a lot of schools, you know, uh, up and down the country. Cause it's always good to, you know, to see what product mm -hmm. knowledge is out there and see what they're doing. And, and I saw obviously what BST were to what they are now to the sheer size of it. You know, that's great. And that's inspiring for many other people. And that should be inspiring to those members. And that's what I think we've created now is that people have actually seen, you know, what we are doing for them due to this. I mean, I know some schools have just, shut up shop and said, right, we ain't opening. That's it. You have to wait till we reopen. You know, and they're not doing anything online, not engaging with their members. And that's the most important thing now. Everybody needs a helping hand. They need kindness. They need support. They need to know that there's a, there's a shoulder to lean on, you know, and that's it. And that's what we've done. Even my guys and my instructors are reaching out to some of those students that are probably more vulnerable and just, just checking in with them. Just give them a little message, give them a phone call, a little text. How you doing? You okay? You know, if you need anything, you know where we are, give us a shout. You know, we're even doing one-to-one -one private classes online, would you believe, as well. We're doing about 15 to 20 of those a week at the minute as well, as well as 50 classes. <laughs> I mean, you've got time for it, nothing else. I mean, but that is <laughs> yeah. something that's so appreciated, is that kind of relationship. And again, this is where that substance comes from. That's where the whole, they, they miss it because it's not there. And the thing yeah. I was really concerned with when everything was being announced, on top of, you know, the gym owners themselves, is the fighters who are used to being in that gym as their coping mechanism as whatever else, full-time, to then just take it up abruptly without that kind of... They weren't weaned off, they weren't, oh, you can only go twice a week, oh, you can only go whatever, no, it's just, okay, full-time, <laughs> then shut. Yeah, then what? Bang. Everyone's yeah. got this identity as a martial artist, as a fighter, or whatever they do. And then what? What happens yeah. when it's gone? Some people have to wait to retirement to try and work that out, but you know when it happens abruptly in a blistering <laughs> hot summer and you're stuck. In it's a process, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's a process in your life, isn't it? At the end of the day, you know, it's in. You know, this is the big thing. I mean, you know, I take Brad for instance. You know, and I know he obviously he's done his podcast with shout you. Out Brad. And, yeah, and uh, yeah, shout out to Bradley Owen, Mr. Bad Intentions. And um, he, you know, you take Brad for instance. He's a prime example, and this is one of the things that concerned me. Not just that probably concerned me, but it's just in general for anybody who trains actively that needs that person to tell them what to do. And if you haven't got that person to tell them what to do, you have got to have the biggest self-discipline in the world. And how many MMA fights, such as you said, you know, people out there, athletes out there training, being told what to do, coming to class. And then that regular check-in, why, why haven't you got your ass to class? Why haven't you been in there? Where have you been the last week? You know, you, you know what it's like because it. everybody's been there. And, and you get that, and once that moment, like literally it was, it was literally like the hammer dropping, bang, that's it, shut doors go. And it's funny, you know, you're probably the same as me. If you follow on Instagram, you follow on Facebook, you follow certain fighters, certain athletes, and you see them putting the work in. 
you know, shout out to Joy Herbert. You know, I know Joy from the early days from Wolfpack through John Ashley, all those early days. You know, I, I, I follow Joy and the fantastic success he's had. You know, and gutted for him he didn't get that UFC fight. You know, which is no doubt on the on the doorstep ready for him. But you follow him. And he's putting pictures up of him smashing the bag in his back garden in his trainers. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's not the environment he wants to be in, but the self-discipline is absolutely mm. critical and phenomenal, really. And likewise, I'm looking at Brad, I'm looking at Maka, for instance, those two from my gym. You know, they're out there running, they're out there biking, he's in his garden training. Brad's been messaging me, can I take some mats from the gym and put them in my garden, you know, and so forth. And I love that because that's forward thinking and being proactive. And I'm sure the biggest fear for me right now for MMA is once people come out of this, how many of those fighters have been active to how many of those fighters are going to be ready to compete, which then has a knock-on effect on how many shows are going to actually be able to put people you know, on shows to compete in. That's, that's a real tough call for the market, that is tough call and, and hard for fighters as well, you know, because they're going to kick themselves, those people that haven't been active. You know. How about yourself? You've been active, Dan? inconsistently like i started running like quite a lot a lot of shadow work and then my knees started tweaking a bit and then the podcast started and then i sort of i don't know the knees still, still not 100 percent. still did a bit of shadow boxing but been on a bit of a mad one with the um <laughs> that podcasting but i tell you there's a few things i wanted to pick up that before we move on to switch first of all jai herbert i met him at a um, gold ticket show and he was an absolute gentleman so shout out jai um yeah. also this is something i wanted to bring up with you as a priority is brad's haircut the fact he's now blonde. I want. I want you to. I wanted your opinion on this. <laughs> you know what? You know, when I when I when I saw him putting up on, on Instagram that he'd lost the bet, or it was the bet to start with. I saw that, and then I know he's a big FIFA fan on his Xbox, and uh, I'm not. To be honest, I'm not. I'm not that that way. Uh, but but he is. And he put it out there, and then when he said he'd lost, I thought he ain't gonna see that through. And I thought, you know what? Me knowing Brad, he will see himself through. Once he says something, he will do it. He will do it. And then it came up and I, I laughed. You know, I was laughing profusely at my phone and thinking, oh, my God, it's a good job I didn't see you at work, mate. That's all I should say. And it's actually growing on me. We had a team meeting the other day and I actually said to him, you ain't changed that hair, mate, because that looks good. It kind He's of getting a lot of ribbon. <laughs> it does, mate. He's getting a lot of ribbon from a few members, you know, Eminem, you know, Jed Wood and all the rest of the, the stuff that's the coming his way. Uh, you know, but it, I, I think it actually suits him. I really do. So something's good come from it. You know, he's up to training and and he's got a, some kind of crazy haircut. <laughs> he should have gone for the um, Russell Post orange. So he should have gone for. I think. Well, that's you a, know that's what? The next one. <laughs> a lot of our members were betting him, and <laughs> he'll be laughing if he listens to this because he actually commented in there. He said, oh, "I would dye my hair orange if Russ shaves his eyebrows," and I'm not doing that because I don't like an egg. I have no hair, full stop, mate. So taking my eyebrows off, they'd just be like just one expression, nothing else. But is it worth <laughs> it to see it? I don't know, mate. I this is know, it. Mate. That wasn't a no. That wasn't a no. <laughs> I, I still have to teach Virgil classes, mate. I don't think I look at the camera with no eyebrows. I really don't. And my kids won't look at me any. <laughs> my kids won't look at me the same ever again. <laughs> you have to get a marker out and draw if you're happy or not. Like sort of really upwards ones, really angry ones. <laughs> Yeah, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. But yeah, no, I, I, I do think it suits him. And I think his first fight back, he needs to do that. There we 100%. go. So let's sort of turn the timelines a bit. So talk to me about your journey then. How did you get into martial arts in the first place? Wow. Right. Okay. Um, as a kid, I'd done Kung Fu, Judo, Karate. 
And, and I'm talking probably now, probably 40 years ago, probably 40, 35 years ago, something like that when I started as a kid. Uh, my mom and dad, and, you know, bless the cotton souls, uh, I, I really wish they'd kind of been a bit more enforcing in the sense that, you know, I used to go to judo, get a bang on the head in judo, come home with a bit of an headache and said, I'm not going there again, you know, and just back out from it, you know. And I wish my mom and dad said, no, go. You know, that's the thing. But they, they can't, they weren't. And anyway, I was just like, my, my, my venture into martial arts was, and this is ironic that, that, that I was I was quite late into martial arts, about 15, and I really threw myself at it. And I was going out with a girl for a couple of years, and I was getting a bit bored of the same thing week in, week out, and seeing this girl, and I needed an activity to do. Wanted to look in for a basketball club. Why? I don't know. Couldn't find anywhere at the time. And I was just literally flicking through the local paper, and there was a credit card size advert in the corner. Remember where it was, positioned everything. And I gave him a call and it said Kidderminster Taekwondo. And I thought, what's that all about? So uh, I phoned him up and they said, come down Sunday. So I went with my girlfriend, walked down this ramp. I could see through the windows at the, the, uh, at the local leisure centre. The doors were shut and I could see them all keying and punching forwards, man, and kicking up. I looked pretty badass. I fancy a piece of that. And then I opened the doors and it was about six inches out the doors. I thought, I ain't going in there. It's too embarrassing. So I shut the door. And I walked off and I got about 10 feet away from the door. And my, the instructor at the time came back and said, oh, are you Russell? And I said, yes. And he said, oh, coming in, coming in. And that was it. Sat in that chair, mate. And I was sold. I was absolutely sold. And just the vibe and everything. And to be honest, most people see, you know, see me walking around and think, oh, look at him. He's full of tattoos. He's got a business. He's got this, blah, blah, blah. Runs a martial arts school. And to be honest, back those days, I was not a confident individual at all, mate. You know? If I could stay away from something, I would, you know, and hence why not going through that door. And that was it. So I started my Taekwondo. Uh, I did that. I uh, got to my black belt, first degree black belt, and I made myself a goal. When I get to myself for my black belt, a lot of people quit at black belt level, you know, and they really do. And they think that's the end goal, and it's not in my eyes. And I could talk another 25 hours about this, but I won't. Um, but I really wanted to venture in other stuff. So then I, um, I ventured, carrying on my Taekwondo training, Started doing a bit of assisting teaching and stuff and trying to learn that method because that was completely new to me as well. And then um, I started learning uh, tie boxing. I did um, a screamer, uh, which is like full, you know, I did at the time it was full contact stick and knife fighting, which was ace, loved it, uh, and still do that to this present day. Uh, and then I did uh, combat submission wrestling through Eric Paulison. Um, Eric Paulson, Oh, wow. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. I trained Eric. I trained Eric over in America, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, him there. Okay. But, but yes, <laughs> legend, mate. Absolute legend. What a bloke that guy is. A very, very underrated individual that people don't know about. You know, he's one of those golden nuggets that's got some skills. And yeah, I could talk about him for hours as well. And, uh, yeah, and I did some Jeet Kune Do as well. And then, then I did some, you'll probably laugh at this, but most people do when I tell them about my experiences. I trained for about two and a half years in ninjutsu as well. Only because I was had a fad when I was a kid. I wanted the outfit and everything and the little tabby boots, the lot. But unfortunately, I did the ninjutsu classes, but I couldn't wear the... They never used to wear the uniforms, which I was cutting about. What's but the point, though? They were a bit crazy, those classes <laughs> were. Yeah, well, they, mate, they were crazy. They were, you got used to have to do a dive roll over like a six-foot raised pole and then you have to dive roll and grab a real live blade. It was I want to do that. That sounds but, mental. You know <laughs> that sounds mate, it was badass, mate. It was cool. You feel like the real-life action hero of Philadelphia. <laughs> you know? 
know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I used to I used to try like six, seven days <laughs> a week. Batman then. I used to train in loads. Yeah. <laughs> but it was uh, I was like the assassin of Kitty. But um, it was um, but uh, yeah, it was good fun, man. And so I, I did that, and then I ventured into to, to obviously the combat submission stuff took me into the MMA stuff. Uh, yeah, and I loved it, mate. I loved it. Trained in a few schools. Some of those schools aren't going around. And back in those days when we did it, there were probably a few fight shows and I mean a few like Cage Rage was like the biggest back then um, there was a fight show which is I think were based from Wales Bristol area called Anger Management uh, I don't know if you ever remember those shows <laughs> Cage Rage was they, like, they, what Cage Wars used to be wasn't it uh, I believe I think it's not I think kind of Cage Warriors is still running um, well, sorry Cage Rage is still running but it's under I think it's uh, Daniel O'Donnell David O'Donnell Dave O'Donnell, I think it's his show, which is called Ultimate Combat. Now I think I can't remember. But oh, you see him there, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. So he he that, that that's the early days of Cage Rage. So you know there, there, there was some there were there, there weren't many shows around those days. So a lot of people back then trained in MMA but didn't fight in MMA. If that makes sense, mm. you know. Now it's like take your pickings. You know, it's like you can go every weekend and it's almost got going to a zoo in it. You know, there's any show anywhere. Every weekend these days, days, which is ace for athletes, for up and coming and professional. But yeah, so that was that mate, really. And then I still train now and then in different styles, and you know. But like I say, I've got some really big idols in my martial arts careers. You know, both my two instructors that I started with in Taekwondo. Full respect to them because if he hadn't opened the door, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now, and I wouldn't have staff working for me and full time centre and all the rest of do. So you know, respect to Steve Breakwell and Jane Breakwell back then. Um, and then, like I say, you know, the people like meeting and training with people like Eric Paulson, if you get the chance, do it. The guy is just, it's just, you can absorb it, mate. That's all. That's all I should say. Incredible guy. Incredible guy. There's quite a few things I want to get into with this. Um, one is, you, are you available to do one-to-ones on ninjutsu? Because I want to try and do that. Before <laughs> get me spinning <laughs> yeah, around the house. I can do that. <laughs> So, so there's we can that. do that as long as we wear the outfits, mate. As long as we get the black pajamas, mate, we're good <laughs> on right. it. This podcast is going to end abruptly, and we're going to get to on our pajamas, and we're going to play ninjutsu <laughs> for a little bit. So, thank you for tuning in. That sounds so wrong, mate. So wrong that sounds. And so right <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but back to the actual question I was going to get to. So, with um, so obviously when it came to taekwondo in the first place, it was daunting. It was different, and all this stuff. You probably had your basketball thinking this is a bit different. But but then what? So when you got stuck in with it and really enjoyed it for everything it was, what made you change martial arts at that point? Because it's almost, you know, this is what you found, this is what you like. What made you want to do something different? Um, I suppose for me, I, I, I always had the vision that I've got right now, mate, was to have a facility to offer multidisciplinary arts. Because I totally get, you know, for me, I loved I loved the fact of the speed. I mean, I used to fight for the Taekwondo British team. You know, where I had some great fights back those days. I used to love those days, really truly. And you know, it was it, they were great. But I knew there was other aspects that I wanted to learn and broaden myself. And I used to be a big big fan, as most kids were, of Bruce Lee. You know, and and I don't think there's any martial artist out there that that really, you know that's never been inspired by that individual. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, for me, I knew that he always studied this art and this art and this art and this art. And I always wanted to do as much as I could do, you know, and, and I've been the same with my music and it's the same as I am with my martial arts. And I love Thai boxing. I must admit, one of the, Thai boxing was my first class that I did 
after achieving my first degree black belt in Taekwondo. And oh my God, what what a shock that was. Worlds apart. Because, well, the thing is, you walk in and you, you know, you've done four years worth of training to get your first degree black belt in Taekwondo. You're standing side on and you're on the bounce and you've got your hands down here. Next minute, this chopping kick comes and just trashes your leg. I remember having my father-in-law at the time um, having to come up and pick me up and drive me home because I couldn't drive the car so I couldn't use my left leg. I couldn't use the clutch because it just it got chopped. It was proper old school tire box it was, mate. You know, and uh, just chopped my leg to absolutely shreds. And, and that, was, that was it. But it really opened my eyes. And I thought, you know, there's, there's elements I can learn from this. There's elements I can learn from this. And it's a little bit like a Bruce Lee philosophy for me, really, mate. You know, it's like, and that was it, you know. And and then I started realising that, that, you know, belts are really important for certain aspects because you could use those as goals and, 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 and you know, and, and targets such as grades. But then also, well, knowledge becomes sometimes more powerful than the belts and grades, you know. So you've got to kind of get a balance, and that's what I enjoyed. I was still getting grades in these 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 arts, and I was still getting knowledge in these arts down here, and, and I love that. And, and I enjoyed the process of learning, mate. I enjoyed the process of meeting new people. And, and like I said, my vision was always to have a full-time centre, always this was, and to teach, you know, X amount. Of, I mean, we teach like what fifteen different classes at the academy now, you know, and and I love it because I've got students, ages of three up to the ages of sixty-seven, you know, and there's something there for everyone, and that's what I believe that martial arts is a transport for for everybody out there to give somebody something, you know, as a release that life. But yeah, that was my goal really, just to do a bit of everything. It was hard to get the transition between the between this art and that art. I must admit, that was difficult. <laughs> Well, this is where it gets really interesting because you've touched on something there that's really important. I think a lot of people need to appreciate this. Is that, is it Hoist Gracie or is it Hickson or one of them says, um, is the black belt only covers two inches of your ass. You've got to cover the rest of it yourself. Yeah, that, that kind of, Gracie, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing of just like, you know, you need to remember it's not just what you know, it's how you apply it. It's that kind of, just because you've got that rank doesn't mean you are, you know, unstoppable, untouchable and stuff. Yes, it does take certain attributes to achieve these goals but when push comes to shove it's a very different very different situation and again yeah. it's quite interesting your transition between different martial arts and how the problem solving almost that when you get into these situations okay not only have you had the approach to adapt to it instead of going back to what you knew and then came with the mma initially because this is where i was trying to really get to is because you've gone from the individual martial arts in their own rights and MMA as well, where I'd have imagined with all that background, you could almost pick out things you like of each and then have that one MMA system. But it's quite interesting how you still have all of these individual systems with it. Yeah, tough, mate, you know. Don't get me wrong, I know many people up and down the country, because I've talked to a lot of different school owners, you know, and they've done that, you know. They took this, 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 and then made their own art. I'm kind of a bit of a traditionalist, mate. You know, I'm a little bit... I want to. I don't want to disrespect Taekwondo for what it is, and I don't want to disres disrespect Thai boxing for what it is, and you know, and I don't want to disrespect MMA for what it is. You know, the big thing for me is, and this is the hardest thing for our building is a lot of uh, from our property and our ethos and everything that we've built up is that, and I'm sure you'll agree with this. MMA can be seen still in its current climate to the. Joe Blog person out there to an average mom and dad out there can be seen as a thuggery art, you know, a thuggery sport, mm. put each other's face, rip each other's eyeballs out, blah, 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 you know, non-educated individuals, you know, and I get that. 
So what we try to do at our school is try and keep some traditional roots into the MMA roots, you know, but then not take away and diverse away from the MMA as what MMA should be, if that makes sense. Mm. But I, I never really wanted to try and siphon bits out of my other arts because like I can say, you know, I have, I have so many different classes and everybody loves them and the classes are buzzing. So it's obviously it works, you know, and it's, you know, and, and also as well with that on the flip end of that, you know, it's given some of my students opportunities to have full-time jobs now, you know, so it's, which is, which is lovely as well. And if I did narrow down what I did and simplify what I did, they probably wouldn't need a job, you know, because I'd only need two of us rather than six of us, you know, or seven of us, eight of us, you know, however this thing goes on and, and grows too as well. It's nice as well, you know, I would say on another aspect of it is that it's nice, like some classes are busy, some classes are quieter, so the busy ones hold out the quieter ones and gives us a chance to grow. And that, it's a nice little game to play sometimes as well, you know, to try and grow your business as well, to be honest, and grow those classes. I mean, this is where it gets quite interesting is what you just sort of specified there about the way MMA is perceived and the way you try and present yourself as this kind of, again, open for all people. It's not meant to be just for, you know, the... <laughs> The was it the thug sort of fighters? It's not just for you know the yeah. family man. It's all for it's for everyone. And I think this is where it gets quite interesting because if you show someone Ross Houston versus Nicholas Dalby in the cage of his fight, what got stopped because too much blood in there, it's hard to argue the case that it's a nice friendly sport. Whereas if you um, yeah. watch a, <laughs> I don't know, Mickey Gall and um, CM Punk and an absolute clinic of grappling and that kind of execution, you think could argue it's a sport and it's you know it's got its own merits but again it's trying to keep things what's the word i want to say marketable for lack of a better word because you get things yeah. like things like the imaf and because this is where it sort of comes back down to is at the end of the day as much integrity as you've got as a martial artist as a person you still are a business owner and as much as you'd like to have these specific things for specific disciplines and all this kind of stuff you need to make it also applicable and, you know, there's only so much time in the day. How many classes do you want to run? What's the priority? And always sign a balancing act. So it's all trying to make it work as practically and as integrally. integrally? Yeah, yeah. I suppose, you know, from my, it's like going back to my, my previous comment really was about, you know, MMA gyms and really trying to engage those members and seeing members drop and fluctuate and you need to be prompted to come into class. The biggest thing that I think, and I know they did try this, and I know Greg Jackson tried this, and I know he got absolutely slated for it about five, eight years ago, something like that. And Century Martial Arts out in America, big, big, massive distribution company, they they worked in conjunction with Greg Jackson, and he wrote an MMA curriculum. And I still think, personally, and this is just a personal view, and everybody's got their own opinions, and that's what makes this world a lovely place, um, I still personally believe, coming from a traditional background, I do believe a, not a standardised because everybody's got their own way in MMA. And that comes from two ways. One, the coach, and two, the fighter. Because the fighter learns things at the same time as the coach learns things, you know, and they can both input this together. But I think a nice quality MMA curriculum where adults and juniors can go through the, go through the system in learning quality, you know, transitions to, to some boxing, some kickboxing, some takedowns, whatever it's going to be, you know, and a fitness element to that. And if that was across the board and students have got things to work towards, I stand, I stand, I really do stand hand on heart on this one, that I think most 
most MMA gyms up and down the country would be so much more engaged by their adult MMA members. And I'm saying adult members because, you know, that's what sometimes they need. I mean, you've probably seen it yourself in either your recent gym or other gyms that you may have trained at. You know, the numbers fluctuate like that. You know, mm. it's just like some days you have a busy class and other days it's like, boom. You know, and you think, what is it quite? Nobody's got the answer for that. It's just that some people, because, you know, the big market in MMA is, the, for my side of things, is that you either want to train and you want to fight and then you'll be in class more. Or you have the intentions of training, have the intentions of fighting, and you pay your subscription, but you can't be asked to go. Mm. You know, and <laughs> and there's a lot of people like that. That's that incentive, the, isn't it? The same. Yeah, it is. And I think that's what I really think that the marketplace needs. And I know, like I said, Greg Nelson's trying to bring this in and actually got slaughtered, um, you know, over social media about it. And I don't think it actually pursued and went any further forward, but... I think if a big brand could grab hold of it, you know, even something like Venom or something like that could really sort of grab hold of it, got a couple of ambassadors on it, structured something together and just smashed it out there in the marketplace. I think, I have to say, loads of MMA schools. And right now, in the current marketplace, it would make a massive change for schools. I really do. It'll give them some security and it'll give their retention rate you know, through the roof, to be honest. I really do. Well, here's I've got quite a few points in this. I wanted to bring this up with you as well, obviously having the traditional versus the modern experience in martial arts is when it comes to if you take brazilian jiu-jitsu grading the ones without if you take gracie jiu-jitsu gracie university for example versus you oh know, god here we go here I mean, we go you see, you see what i mean because you get these sort of spurious oh they're doing things that a two-stripe blue belt can do but when it comes to actually sparring it gets a bit questionable <laughs> but then yeah. you also on the flip of that is you get people with a specific game who are at, say, your guard's like a purple belt level, but your passing's at white belt level. What does that make you? And then with MMA, yeah. arguably, if you've got like world-class striking and, say, takedowns, but your grappling is absolutely horseshit, then what? What does that make? Does that make you this belt in the other world? Because fundamentally, structure-wise, I get exactly where the principles are of trying to implement some sort of structured okay, this is what skills you need to learn, this is how you can progress, matchmaking will be a lot more, you know, safer that way because you've got a rough idea of skill sets. But when it comes to when something so far outweighs another skill set, does it carry over? And then application as well. I mean, if you've got shit hot striking, unbelievable grappling, impeccable wrestling, but they're two separate and you're not mixing them together, what does that then mean? I mean, that's the whole idea about bringing some ambassadors in that can do it and, and structure it together. I totally get what you're saying in regards to grade levels. You know, I, I'm a real, oh, man, you know, this 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 world in martial arts of bickering and politics and all oh, that black belt, so I was going to this black belt, this blue belt, so I was going to this blue belt. Blah, blah, blah. My God, you know. You know, I'm a real, here's a, here's a thing right down when anybody wants to listen to this and take this on board or whether yourself wants to take it on board whatsoever. You know, there are so many people in this world that moan about each other, right? That moan about this person or moan about that martial arts school. This is my argument, right? This is my thing, how I take life, is that don't waste your time moaning about them. Spend that time on yourself. The time you've wasted on them is the time you can invest on your own your own self, you know? And these are the instructors that that concerned of what this this Gracie Jiu Jitsu blue belts doing, Gracie Bar blue belts doing over here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they're two different sort of kettles of fish, yeah. Two different knowledge levels. You know what? Concentrate on this student, and you concentrate on that student. And it is very, very difficult to try and get a a commercial balance 
uh, a technical balance, a knowledgeable balance, an integral balance. You know, it's a real tough game. And I suppose I'm really looking at it from my perspective is that we brought in a, a youth MMA curriculum many years ago for our kids, you know, because I see a very big fluctuation in numbers of the kids wanting to do it, but they had nothing to work towards. So we brought in a structure for that. And it can be frowned upon by a lot of people, but I'll be honest with you, you know, Bradley teaches those kids week in, week out, and he is creating some absolute monsters. I'm telling you, monsters some of those kids are. You know, you'll see them and you think, I mean, I'm not sure if you've seen the Instagram or Facebook footage that were going around social media, flying around social media, about two little lads, uh, Ryan and Mason Shingleton. I have seen that. Yeah, cause I, remember, yeah. I, was, I was surprised to see it was a gym I actually knew, not some random gym in America, like some obscure, like, 10th planet thing. But yeah. Man, I'm telling you something, yeah. right? Mm. That footage went absolutely... I, I remember filming it in the class because the kids... We set the kids a challenge and said, right, I want you to come with minimum of 30 combos because they're good, these kids are. They were good. They started. They came with me from absolute scratch. From day one, they came to me with nothing. And, you know, they come from an area in town that's probably, you know, would be classed as probably not one of the best areas in Kidderminster. And they, these two kids needed some support and need some help. And we've done that through them since day one. And they, they, they adapt to everything I teach them. They don't, they're like sponges. You show them something, bang, they've got it. And I said to them, right, give me a nice little flow draw, lads. I want 30 combinations, put it together, bam, 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 bam. Could be a bit of punching, whatever. And they love their grappling, they love their wrestling. So do this compo. And I remember standing in my gym just saying, sir, sir, we've got something to show you. I said, yeah, no, no worries. So it shows them, hang on, let me get my camera. Bang, filmed it like that. And I put it out on Facebook on our page. Oh, my God. I think the one view that some Brazilian jiu-jitsu place in Brazil grabbed hold of it, I think it had something like 3.7 million views, the video. Nuts. And then it hit, then it flew across onto um, Instagram, and Eddie Bravo shared it. Uh, Randy Couture commented on it. Um, Eric Paulison commented it. And it was just all these greats were saying, this is our future. And I was like, oh, they're our kids, they are. You know, <laughs> that type of thing. But... Those kids have come from the structure, some of the structure that we'd put together to help these kids through. And I, this is where I believe that, you know, as an instructor, you know, your instructors are the same as, 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 as for instance, like Bradley, for instance, who passes on his knowledge. You know, everybody has a certain way of doing something. You know, you have a different way of brushing your teeth the way I have a different way of brushing my teeth, and that's your method, and that's my method. That's it. There's no difference to fighting. You know, somebody sets a, sets a jab up different to you, set a different jab up different to I would. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and and that's what's beautiful at the fight game. But that's why I think that really as school owners, if you're teaching MMA, I think that's what needed in place for an adult myself. Because it's only going to make the, the adult more knowledgeable, better, you know, a quality athlete, a better understanding. And it will prevent the factor of when you go to these shows. And let's face it, we've all been there. And you sit there and you put your hands over your eyes thinking, what is that guy doing in there? Because he should not be fighting. But, you know, he's just come from minimal background and he's just turned to his coach saying, I'm all right to fight. He goes, yeah, yeah, go on, mate. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's Saturday. Yeah, just weigh in on Friday. You know, this is the way. Do what you're going to do. You know, and, and let's face it, there's a lot of people out there like that. You know, I'm sure you'll agree. Mm. <laughs> a lot. That's <laughs> not going to, but there is a lot. <laughs> but again, I, I find it quite interesting that there's almost two contradicting things which is what's going to keep your development going the way it is. The fact that you're, what's the word, your willingness to learn, but your reluctancy to, what's the word, deal with the sort of negative people who are just going to like moan for the sake of moan, that kind of confidence in yourself and also your willingness to change and develop. 
It's quite a fun. Yeah. It's quite a funny, like back and forth a pair of those things. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. It's you know, it's hard. You know, I'm, I'm sure, like in anything in business, you know, any martial arts call owner out there, you know, um, that everybody moans at everybody, you know, and businesses moan at businesses, you know. And like I say, my early days of it, I really got sucked into it real bad, real bad. You know, in Kidderminster, you know, where I'm not a massive town, not not not, not massive population, but there are stacks of martial arts calls. As soon as I opened up, man, the hatred I had, you would not believe. People ripping my banners down, ripping my posters down, throwing my leaflets in the bins. Really? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, mate, yeah, 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 yeah. It's real, real bad. You know, I had one guy when I first opened my first gym eight years ago, uh, went on my YouTube page, and like the videos on YouTube were like way old, and uh, he was slagging them off and literally put them on his Facebook page. Comment on this, guys, comment on this. And uh, he's got his own fan base, and they were all commenting and slagging it off, and I was just like, I don't need this, you know. So I kind of stay away from it all now and I just concentrate on myself let people moan let do what they want you know and everybody's got their own beliefs and everybody's got their own their own visions and own futures and and I let them do what they got to do if they want to waste their time doing what they want to do with me that's cool you know and I'll use my time doing what I want to do on me and my students and that's it you know uh, and that's it you know and that's kind of like leads into really for me is that with, with Brad you know we, we took Brad on um over 12 months ago now full-time and, you know, I knew with him teaching, with me, restricted hours for what I can teach him in the sense of times that we've got to teach him, which is why I basically got a sponsor for him and we, we invest in him and we, we send him over to, to, to Renegade now to go and do his training over there because I know the knowledge he's going to bring there is going to be greater for what he brings back into what we've got now and it's going to invest back into our studio. So that's kind of our step for there, really. Now, that is something I really wanted to touch on is that willingness to... <laughs> What's the word? Let let him fly. <laughs> let let, him, let go. <laughs> that's it. Because as much as it is, you know, in I don't say I don't want to say he's your baby because that gets a bit more and a bit of a strange analogy. But that kind of <laughs> you you invest your time and energy into someone, and you want what's best for them, but also you know he's your boy. You don't want him to then go somewhere else and be like, oh no, he's renegades now. And that, that yeah. kind of maturity to then say, Do you know what, this is what's best for you, with the confidence that will come back. Yeah. The biggest thing for me, Dan, is that there's a lot of people, like I say, when they first come to me, you know, and they want to learn whatever martial art it is, um, we've got a lot of time to spend with them to create them and develop them. You know, for someone like Bradley and, you know, and Macca's close behind snapping at his heels as well on this, is that, you know, we did it what we did for Bradley because Bradley's, you know, is an investment for me because, you know, he's, he's an employee of the academy. He does a fantastic job with his teachings of his classes. And and really for me is I've known both those lads since day one and they came to me with nothing. You know, both of them would stand on a car park and have a scrap on a Saturday night, you know, after a few bevies if someone pushed the wrong button. You know, they're that type of lads. (laughs) You know, and I know in Brad's previous, he talked about other stuff but he wasn't going to go into. But I won't go there with that, but I know he's that type of lad from, you know, that he, you know, and people are like that or some people are not like that. And, you know, I'd seen what he's like when he first started. And I know when Brad sets his mind to something, he wants to go and do it. And I can see that the most sensible move to, to get into somewhere else to gain knowledge would be that. You know, the hardest thing that I have, you know, I, I work 14, 15 hour days, 
you know, running my business, doing what I've got to do, developing my business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and, and I, I can't teach all the classes no more. I, you know, I really have, I run out of time. I love teaching them. Don't get me wrong. I do love to, and I still have my certain classes that I do teach because I don't want to let go of that. But I just felt like there's a needed to be a release for Brad to go off and learn and be product knowledge and go off and what he does. And that's why I support that. Now, don't get me wrong. When I first started and we started crossing this bridge of people wanting to train elsewhere, and I'm sure you'll, you've experienced this yourself. If you're registered, let's just say, or, or located, is probably the best word, at this gym, because that's the gym you started at. Hmm. Once you then go and fight, and you then you want to think, oh, I've seen all these big top professionals. They go training. They've got a boxing coach. They've got this coach. You've got that coach. You've got this coach. And they're really like about two or three years in the game. And you think to yourself, they don't need that. They've still got lots to learn with us yet. And then they can venture off and do that. That's the, This is my view, yeah? And I think it gets conflicting at an early stage, at someone's early stage of mixed martial arts career especially, in learning from different instructors. It's too conflicting. It's too conflicting. It's like, it's like being taught by one guitar instructor one week and then being taught by a different guitar instructor the next week. And they've got two different ways how to get this motion with your hand to go wherever it's got to go. And they have their method and that's it, you know, and, and, and there's a, such a conflicting issues with it all, you know, with people having their own different methods, as I said earlier. And I think people need to be educated by their, their coach and instructor who they are. And then once they're ready and I struggled with letting people go, I really did. You know, I'll put my hands up to that. Um, but with Bradley, we've realized it's a good thing. And Mac is now doing it as well, which I think is a good thing. Um, you know, but it's just the hardest thing is, is obviously, the younger ones or the inexperienced ones shouldn't follow their paths. That's Mars. Stay located, stay educated where you need to be and then venture afterwards. You know, and the levels that those two are at right now, you know, especially, you know, Brad's got three more amateur fights in him, then he's going to go pro. You know, he needs to be training with those people. That's it. Fact us, you know, and, and that's it. Well, this is where it gets really interesting. A few things you sort of touched on there is as much as it is tempting to go to these places with all these professionals, without having that foundation, it gets almost too specific, I want to say. Like like what you're saying with the guitar analogy is quite a good one. Like you want to learn your chords first before you start doing all your sort of pinch harmonics and all this kind of other sort of fancy stuff. It's too specific. It's not... You can build your foundation. Like my instructor Danny Batten uses um, an analogy like painting a wall. It's like you've got to get the first coat on. And then you can start doing more and more. Instead of just doing one specific patch really, really thoroughly, you've got to get yeah. the whole bit covered. Because when so boxing coaches are a perfect example. I've had a few different boxing coaches. And the amount, how would you throw a hook? I've had that conversation, I think, uh, how many times? <laughs> I've done it wrong in front of everyone, apparently. You've got to you have your hand there, 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 and the other way around, and all this kind of stuff. And none of them are wrong. But they've all got their preferences. No. But until you you know develop your preference understand your foundation with kind of stuff then you can start taking in this extra information and being able to use it and apply it because otherwise you've got a piece from there piece from there piece from there and doesn't connect yeah you what you what the whole idea of this the, 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 you know we're talking specifically a lot with with the mma brackets for me is that you I mean, there's pretty much you can put this across the broad spectrum regarding any martial arts but more more so mma such as you say there about the hook punch yeah, I've seen people, no, you need to turn the lead foot. No, you need to keep the elbow here. You know you need to do this, blah, 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 blah. All you need to do is to find the right person that suits you. That's it. 
that's that's absolutely period. There's no difference to a girlfriend, you know, or, or boyfriend, whatever it is you're after, you know, as long as you find the right person that suits you, that can educate you, that you feel comfortable with, that you can get an understanding and your vision is their vision, you know, on, a, on an amicable level, happy days. You know, and, and then the other thought side of this as well is that, you know, in the MMA side of things, and this is where, where I'll, I'll talk about Brad and I'll talk about Macro on this. I'll talk, talk about it from my, my, my side of things is when those two lads fight, you also need somebody there who can literally say something and they tune in. You know what it's like yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have the most random lads from the gym to come and just sit in your corner, hold your water bottle and a timer and just shout random crap at you. You know, and at the end of the day, if you can't tune into that tone, it's no good. You know, you might as well just have an empty seat. So, you know, there's there's, there's so many different aspects that we could chat about this that, that I'm quite passionate about, to be honest. And, you know, that, that, that you're right, that I've, I've been to martial arts seminars, mate, you know, and I've been taught by somebody and they go, no, 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 that's wrong. What are you doing that for? And I'm like, hang on a minute, mate. Yeah, I'll reel your neck in a bit, kid. <laughs> have some respect for you, 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 the person who just taught me and that's how they do it. No one's no one's right and no one's wrong in that sense. You know, it's 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 the same as like I say this about anything. You know, I play drums, mate. You know, and, and I play drums differently than the next person plays drums, and I'm not wrong, and that person's not wrong, but they've just got their style. And this is my style, and as long as you can find the coach, the instructor, whoever who's going to tutor you through that process and understand you and blend with you well, happy days. That's it, mate. I think the real thing to really take from all of this is the word art in mixed martial arts and martial arts is that it's subjective it's for interpretation you see say a day one beginner they see a hook as just a punch the more experience you get you see the finer mechanics of twisting motions all this kind of stuff but then different people see it as oh if i change my wrist this way or change my weight this way i can then do that and the other and it's always different perspectives and the thing itself hasn't changed so yeah so the concept of thing being right or wrong doesn't make sense because it's not an objective thing it's subjected to opinion and interpretation. So this is where the whole thing gets so like complex. And then on top of what you were saying as well, regards to your corner people and this kind of thing, it goes back to what we we're saying at the start about you build this relationship, you build this rapport. Like you know when your coach tells you to fucking get on with it, you know that they're saying that from place. If they've seen you spar, they've seen when you, they see when you know yourself. They can tell when you're you know tired. You can tell when you're got more in the tank. You can tell when they're mentally beat. All these little things. When you pick that up, you can't just say it on a surface level. You understand this. You built this time up, built this relationship up. And this is why it's so specific because, like we're saying as well, regards of the right person for you, you could get, say, Greg Jackson, you can get all these like high-level coaches, but if you don't gel with them, that information won't transfer the same way. You won't get the same level of benefit from it. Whereas if you get, I don't know, <laughs> James Jitsu down the road who's, you know, a good purple belt, but he's really you really get on, and they have levels of detail, level of explaining things. Yeah. Even though the skill set may not be on par with you know the best of the best, if you can really absorb what they're saying and really benefit from it, you could have a lot more progression, like percentage-wise, you can go up so much more than you would with a quote-unquote better coach, just purely on what you can take from it and what you can apply from it. Absolutely, mate. You know, I, I'm a real big firm believer that, and there's no difference to, um, like I said before, relationships, even to the points of business coaches or work colleagues, mate. You know what I mean? You know yourself, if you work with someone and you're, de- you're decent and you like, you'll get you'll be more productive. Mm. If someone that you don't like, you won't be as productive. And that's it. And if it's a relationship you don't really like and it's poisoned, 
then it's not going to last. And if you're with somebody who's going to be cornering you but, and you don't really connect to them, but they are so knowledgeable. I mean, this goes back to the old thing for me, you know, when I, I talked many, 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 many years ago, and I remember a martial arts guy saying to me, you know, you're either a fantastic fighter or you're a fantastic coach. And I remember that, I remember there, you said, you need to make your choice. Which one are you going to be, you know? And and that's it. And if you're going to be that coach, you've got to make sure you adhere to being a coach. And like I say, you're going to corner a team, you've got to make sure you corner them and you've got to understand them well. And you're going to understand their needs and you're going to understand that person as an individual. I remember Macca's fight, one fight that he fought, uh, I can't remember the guy he was fighting, some foreign guy, he was fighting from France, I believe, and it was a golden ticket show. And I remember he came out the first round and I remember going into the cage and he was desperate to win this fight, desperate to win this fight. And I remember going into the cage and I remember looking at him in my face and he was absolutely gassed. He was like, he said to me, I'm done. He said, I'm exhausted. And I turned around, smacked him in the face and I said to him, shut up, listen to me now. I said, you're going to finish this round. And I said, I said, this is your round, do it, blah, blah, blah. You know, as everybody does, you know, you're in the moment yeah. like that. And I think then 30 seconds in, bang, took him down, boom, rear naked choked him, popped him, that's it, done. And uh, he always says to me, oh, I, 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 I'll never forget that with him. I always, he always say, I remember that. I remember you telling me that. I remember you shouting at me. And I remember Brad and his, in his fight that he had against um, um, at the Golden Ticket Show when he won, for, when he won the belt. And, uh, and he, uh, yeah, he, he, I think he, he bust his foot up in about after the second round. And on the third round, you know, I went into him and he was, he, and I kept keeping him focused away from that foot and keep him on to here and what was what. And you wouldn't even know, mate. You could watch that fight back now. I still watch that fight back now. And you can watch that, mate. And he does not even blip about that foot. And he busts his foot up, basically, in the fight. But, you know, once you can tune into someone, right, then happy days. You know, you, you can resolve whatever you need to resolve. And again, you can sort of... This comes from the relationship you build with these people. But, you know, the most important question I've got for you today is, where can people find you? Um, on Facebook. Um, just Russ Perks uh, on Facebook or if you go onto our open page we've got stacks of open pages but our main page is just type in RPMAA not RPMMA but RPMAA um, and also just type us in RPMAA as well on Instagram we're on there or my personal page on Instagram which is Russ Perks just search us for on there um, contact us there or check us out on the website uh, www.rpmaa.com and where can they get involved with the online training? Um, if you check us out on Facebook, it's probably the best way, or Instagram, just ping us a message on one of those. <clears throat> um, you can contact us there, and then we can get you started on some, some virtual training. Um, failing that, you can email us direct on info at rpmaa.com. Uh, one of the team will obviously come back to you then with all the relevant information there. Links and all that will be in the description. Thank you for listening, guys. And this episode has been sponsored by Mauler MMA. Use code FCMMA. 20 at checkout on mallermma.com for 20% off on all products.